I had a lot of anxieties and stress um, um, trying to fit in this new world that I have no clue how to survive here, you know. And I was told that the only way you survive here is if you have a job. You know, you work, you pay your bills, you take your bills taken care of, no problem, you know. This is Alfonso Deng. He's 36, but he was just 19 when he first arrived to the U.S. from an area now known as South Sudan. And one does not need to be an immigrant to relate to Alfonsian's experience. For most of us, having a job is a trait of being independent, of being self-sufficient. But the way Alfonsian talks about work, it's almost as if he sounds like someone gave him a vital organ, like a lung or a liver, a chance to live. You can hear the gratitude in his voice. Such opportunities don't exist anywhere, but in the U.S., you know, like right now, I work in a bakery, you know. All I did, I just apply. And there I am, I'm working there. Now they train me, I'm a baker. Never baked in my life before. Never even known things like croissants, you know, or um, things like uh, muffins, you know, or danishes, uh, or, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But I learned them like in a couple months and now I know how to operate these you know ovens and and all kinds of stuff in the bakery so anything can happen to your life in the United States meaning if you want something good it's there it's available it's out there I like that about America to live in America stories of the immigrant experience my name is Luis Gomez co-host of the conversation and in this second of a five-part mini-series, you'll hear from other immigrants who will tell us, in their own words, what it means to work in America. Again, the voices you'll be listening to here are the result of interviews with more than 60 immigrants. These interviews were conducted by the San Diego Union Tribune, and it's all part of a multimedia project called Our Immigrant Story. You can check it out at sandiegouniontribune.com. Some of the immigrants we talked to have gone on to become CEOs, provide jobs for others. Some have been the recipients of fruits of someone's labor, a parent or relative who worked two to three jobs to put food on the table. And when you work to put food on the table, that's not just an obligation. That's a calling. It's a calling to something greater than yourself. Before she became a dermatologist, Tess Mauricio was just a girl who wanted to help her family get out of poverty. Her parents brought her and her siblings to the U.S. from the Philippines in the 1980s. And one of the first lessons that she learned here in America, work hard. When we came here, my parents both had to work and they had to take any job that, that was offered to them. And so, you know, as a 12, 13-year-old child, I really was in charge of taking care of my siblings. And I also felt some of the financial obligation. And so I applied for my very first job at McDonald's and I, you know, told them I was older. But that was the job. And the best thing about that was at the end of the night, I could bring home some food for my, my siblings. And I really... I had a lot of drive to really help my parents get out of the financial situation, get out of um, poverty, and I felt like, you know, I was blessed by God to have a good brain, and I worked very hard, and I studied, and um, got scholarships both to UC San Diego, and um, I graduated summa cum laude, 
and then I got into Stanford Medical School and throughout high school and college I was working you know I was a door-to-door rainbow um, vacuum cleaner salesperson I was in real estate I was a um, telemarketer <laughs> um, I did everything and just try to help as much as I can with the family my dad also had a lot of health issues probably due to the stress of bringing four kids here he had a heart attack at a very young age um, in his early 40s and then um, after that he also had bad back he couldn't really work so it was up to my mom and for 10 years my mom worked two full-time jobs never had a day off and you know so so you know as the oldest child I really felt like okay I, you know I had to help out and I had to do what I can to pull us all out of there and uh, you know we look back we go back and visit that you know that little apartment that um, we had the very first home that we had and we all are very grateful because this can only happen in America. Another reality some immigrants face when they want to work is having to really rely on a job that really has no future. For Ali Reza Tarabi, an immigrant from Iran, that's what became of him, which meant that he had to work for a job that required long hours with little pay. I was working minimum 60-hour weeks, and, and it put me in a position where I had to drop out of school for a year. And for me, I was grateful because I had a job. My whole life I wanted a job and I, I couldn't. I see my friends working, I see them driving, going to school. And me even having that job, it made me feel a little like, even though the circumstances weren't normal, it made me feel normal, you know? Coincidentally, a lot of immigrant stories take place in a familiar place, in a kitchen, inside a restaurant. So I started uh, dishwashing. That's Evan Cruz. He was born in the Philippines and he's now an executive chef for Dimensions Development. So my chef asked me to, yeah, hey, could you help prep out, you know, do a couple things? Could you cut some onions and garlic and everything? And started doing that, became a prep cook. Um, by the time I was 19, I was a sous chef. And here's another one. I started working as a busboy when I was in college. I went to uh, The Ohio State University. Uh, and I was a busboy and then a waiter in the uh, faculty club. So I was well trained by the people there. That's Frank Vizcarra. He's from Tijuana, Mexico. And now he's the operator of a new restaurant here in San Diego. And in all sincerity, Frank, Evan, and Ali Reza, they all have these sort of work experiences that get generalized about immigrants. But it wouldn't be accurate to assume all immigrants end up working in a kitchen. Some of them come already with the skill set. Some come with an entire background as professionals. Meet Belize Erstai. She's a conceptual artist, visual artist, specializing in ceramics. For Belize, having the freedom to work as an artist, that means everything. I'm grateful for being able to express uh, myself as an artist. And um, because it will be harder to do, it will be harder to do it in my own country, in Turkey, at the moment, to express yourself as, a, as an artist. It's, it's not a possible thing to do. Because of the current government that we have uh, having, we, we've been having, and um, there's no freedom for press, there's no freedom for any artists and uh, any activities that that is um, talking about against the you know political view or against the government that you can't really express yourself. And then you hear stories from people like Dr. Dina Tajran, 
who's now an OBGYN here in San Diego. But before she came to this country, she was already a successful physician in Iraq. She came here to get away from the war. It was really um, reaching a stage of unlivable oppression, corruption, uh, um, economy get back, uh, the city all of it paralyzed, you know. I was physician at that time, uh, chief resident uh, in the hospital, chief resident in obstetric and gynecology in the hospital. Um, surgery started to, to be stopped just for urgent situation, no anesthesia, no medication, um, beside no safety. My brother, for one month, we didn't know where was he. So it reached a stage, whoever get the opportunity to leave, left. Do you think that someone with her background, her education, she could easily get a job, right? Wrong. Even with her experience, Dr. Tajran soon learned that she had to work her way back to where she was professionally. It's just you come here by yourself, nothing in your hand, just whatever you built in your brain, and with a degree that not accredited here, so you have to start from zero to build yourself, to be in medical school back again, you know. So um, equalized my degree, went through the exams and uh, entered residency in internal medicine first. I was not accepted OBGYN, any surgical residency, very hard to enter. And then, you know, you work hard, you dedicate it, do your job. Then I was chief resident in internal medicine, second year spot open OBGYN. I was offered this spot. Um, I was resident of the year every year and finished two residencies here in the United States. The transition to working in a new country is already a challenge. But there's another sort of unspoken challenge immigrants face in making their work into careers. Meet Dr. Lily Cheng. She's a speech pathologist. Not only did she learn English as her second language, she made a career out of it. I was the first Chinese-speaking speech pathologist that was ever produced in the United States. I was the first certified, clinically certified speech language pathologist out of the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association. This was a very difficult challenge. I not only had to convince people that I could speak, read, and write English, but I could also provide diagnostic investigations of patients with speech-language disorders. Further, I could treat them. I could provide interventions. I could make them better, hopefully. Dr. Lily Chang is a Chinese woman who grew up in Taiwan before coming to the U.S. She ultimately became a professor and director of the Confucius Institute at San Diego State University. After decades as a speech pathologist, however, she still feels like she has to defend her career choice and her love of the English language. Because of the way I look, I am ethnically Han, which is part of the Chinese majority group. People always stare at me and ask me, how come you speak English? And this is the biggest challenge I have because I'm a speech language pathologist. How come I speak English? and I can speak English. That continues to be until today. After 50 years, 
after half of a century being in the United States, I still get this question. I would just have to say that my experience in the United States by having the education and the opportunity to work with people, I am grateful for the gift of English as my tool, as my crystal, as my soul language. All of these stories, these are just scratching the surface. It's unfolding a picture of a much more complex story that is the American experience. Work, career, professional pursuits, these are all just part of it. But it's a big part of it. But another big part of it is how we get there. Because without the help of others, where would they be? Frank Viscara, remember him? Something he said struck me as curious. Here, take a listen. I think because the land is a land of immigrants for the most part, people can relate to each other and help each other out. There's no hierarchy, you know, there's no classes, you know. The classes can be, like, I guess, you know, uh, devised by income, perhaps, but the rich help the poor, you know. It's a very generous country, right? So uh, I think, well, I believe uh, that I succeeded because of the generosity of others. Generous. He said this country is very generous. And perhaps it is. If it affords you with the opportunities to pursue your dreams or make new ones, then yes, you could say it's very generous. Where would that country be without access to the brain trust that is education, though? In the next episode, we'll definitely hear from immigrants who see education as part of fulfilling their American dream. We'll listen to their stories about their experiences in education or going to school. So join me for the next episode, episode three of this five-part miniseries podcast. This podcast is part of a multimedia project by the San Diego Union-Tribune, and it's called Our Immigrant Story, which can be found at San Diego Union tribune.com slash immigrants to live in america is hosted and co-produced by me luis gomez along with abby hamlin and editor lara hockey interviews were conducted by luis cruz eduardo contreras melvin cepeda howard lippin and alejandro tamayo our art comes from gloria obregoso thank you for listening